Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Renee Zamora. Renee is one of the original fractional sales managers, founding Sales Manager Now way back in 2006 after a 25-year corporate career in sales and sales management. In 2018, he authored Part-Time Sales Management, a guide written for small business owners who manage their sales teams. He has consultants working for him, his business is growing, and he loves to give and share. Renee, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. <laughs> Sounds good. After watching the intro, he also likes to dance, and you have oh, the yes. music had me going. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say that is my jam. Anytime I'm having a rough day, I will crank up some music and have just a 60, 60 second dance break, and it just it, it lifts the mood so much. Oh man, I, I know it's fun. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, before we dive into our topic, I like to break the ice with a little woo moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me what industry buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? <laughs> oh, I don't know it was forever. So I'm just going to go with something that's on my, my pet peeve buzzword right now is when I get messages that everyone wants to partner before they even know me, you know, we're going to partner. So we like to partner. What they're really saying is like, I want to sell you something, you know, to <laughs> so just tell yes. me. Yes. <laughs> It's like, why are we pretending like you want a partnership? Like, right. <laughs> you want me to buy from you? Like, let's let's just be open yeah, about okay. that. Tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> so that because it's unfortunately it kills what things the meaning meant before, you know. So now it's like you're deluded. Kind of like when AT and T says, "I'm part of their family." You know, I'm oh. not. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I will not get on my telecom soapbox. Uh, <laughs> Because who don't I have some pent up aggressions for the cable and phone companies? You bet, you bet. But there you go, partner. Well, awesome. Now that we have gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Well, you know, I I want to explain and share, you know, some of the misconceptions about uh, what a sales leader or a sales manager should do. I mean, their role obviously is different in different organizations. So I don't want to put it in a box, so to speak. Um, but I do, I guess I want to say what, what I've kind of discovered over my career or what the ultimate goal is, you know, as a, a sales leader, sales manager, um, or what you should be working toward. Because we all could be at different places in our evolution, in our career, uh, working toward that or what your organization allows. 
Awesome. Well, I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our conversation today. So mm -hmm. I'd love to hear what is your intention? What do you hope will be different uh, or changed for our audience uh, once they've finished hearing our discussion? I would hope that the sales leaders, managers, chiefs, whatever they call themselves, would see that their role is about doing less and their people's role is about doing more. So they would find comfort in doing less um, and uh, to be effective. And that's what I've done uh, with my business. Awesome. Um, so my first question is going back to how you framed the problem, you talked about getting across and helping people to understand what the goal of leading sales is. So I'd mm -hmm. like to start there and hear, how do you see you know, that role and, and what do you think the main goal is? I think the main goal is, I mean, lead, leadership is important. So I don't care what, you, again, I don't care what your title is, uh, if you have people that are following you, so you wanna lead. Um, which it goes to other buzzwords. I hate all that stuff. <laughs> you, you're not this, you got to be this and everyone's a chief now. And so <laughs> anyhow, um, so knowing that your job is to lead others to do the, the role of sales, our job is not to sell. So understanding your, your job is not to sell. Your job is to empower, direct, um, provide inspiration, uh, to others so they can just be awesome at their job. So it's really providing tools, removing a roadblock. So uh, just owning that because a lot of us that have come up being really good salespeople tend to want to go back and show how good we are as a way of helping others get better. Yeah. And that's honestly what you see a lot. Um, and I think, you know, as a consultant, we work with companies of varying sizes, mm -hmm. mostly mid-market to enterprise. I know you work a lot with small businesses, mm -hmm. um, and I have in the past as well. And that career progression to sales leadership most often looks like I was the top salesperson. I moved to like the higher end sales and I nailed it there. So I moved into sales management. and. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of the problem comes in uh, because someone who is really good at selling and what motivates them to sell is not necessarily going to be good at leading and is not always going to be motivated by, you know, not being a doer. Um, yeah. And so why do you think that the career projection or progression is what it is when it's actually counterintuitive to the skill sets of people who are great salespeople. I think because everyone just looks at, they look at sales differently. It's like, and so we're salespeople are a little bit different. So, you know, we need someone who knows has been really good at that. So, and it is important, you know, I mean, it is important to be able to identify weaknesses in others or strengths if you have the experience, but it's not 100% required because again, there is a crossover. Um, you know, many of the, if we talk, for those that enjoy watching the NFL, I mean, many of the 
uh, coaches on the sideline, the head coaches, they weren't all the best players. They became the best coaches of other coaches, of other people, and they see their team differently. And so as a manager, so your question was, how did we, how did we get there? It's just natural. I think in, in any discipline, you know, you're good at doing the work and you promote, but then there's a point there where our weaknesses is when we're selecting someone, we don't shift to say, wait a minute, what have they proven as a manager? What are, what are we looking at to see that they've managed you know, if it's projects, if it's clients, if it's, how do they manage clients? How do they manage communication? You know, all that um, expectate, manage expectation. Are we really evaluating that? Or are we just saying like, all right, they say they're ready to be a leader now. <laughs> so let's roll. <laughs> yeah, because if we think about it, most of your top salespeople are going to be very money and recognition motivated. Correct. And if you look at sales leadership, who is not selling, it's like you take away that main, I mean, not that there's not still money and recognition, ah. but it, it's not the same. And, and sure. so like that does seem to be at conflict with right. the natural person. It, 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 absolutely, it absolutely is. And, you know, that's why some people say like, so is, should you not? bring this, um, you know, your top salesperson be the manager. And I say, no, there shouldn't be a rule against it. It's just, there's percentages that say it doesn't work for the point that you just made about the motivation. I said, if that person cares more about developing people than about closing business, then yeah, go with them. Okay. And I'm going to put a pin in that for a second, because I do want to come back to this because I have some thoughts that that I think are interesting, yeah. but I don't want to take us in another direction yet. Um, I want to back up a little bit because I know that one of the things that, you know, I learned from you just as we were getting uh, this conversation set up is that you see a lot of misconceptions in how people are leading sales and that. There's a lot of popular techniques that you feel just really don't work. And, and so I really want to dive into that a little bit. You know, sure. I've been in marketing my whole career, uh, you know, unless you count retail sales back in, you know, my, my teens and early 20s. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I've never led a sales organization. So help me to understand what these misconceptions are and these techniques that you see that don't work? The number one, in, it, it's, uh, I don't know if it's a misconception. I just think it's a, uh, a practice that isn't really identified to change. And that is that since you've been good at something, you should sh demonstrate and show others and make help people make decisions by, unfortunately, deciding for them. So uh, I'm not explaining it well. What I'm trying to say is like basically doing their work for them, you know, mm. to make them look, to make them seem better. Not, not, you know, sometimes it's as far as closing a deal. Other times it's when they come to their leader and manager and say, um, you know, or what should I do on this? Rather than the manager being affected, uh, being effective at saying, okay, well, what are you thinking? You know, what do you know? What we sh so rather than 
teaching people how to make decisions, the misconception is this leader will go in and help and make decisions for these people. So I think this is so big. It was a big change in my and how I approached a sales management was not making decisions that I hired someone else to make. And, you know, that like thinking about my own experience, because in my role as a consultant, we work with a lot of the technology vendors and we're often involved in the sales process of a client purchasing a technology. And I see what you're talking about happen all the time, especially since a lot of clients that pay us to be a part of that process do so because they know they've got some complex requirements. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the typical salesperson song and dance doesn't work on me or my team because we're trying to dig in. And so that is where I will often see the sales manager kind of jump in and almost take over and drive that opportunity. And the, the original salesperson almost becomes like an admin at that point. They do. And I think we think that we're showing them, you know, what to say and do. But what we're not allowing to happen is for them to think through the process of what decision to make. Because it's yeah. different. And sales is dynamic. And you're making decisions and you're managing their decisions. And if you don't exercise your decision making or improve your decision making, you're always stuck at a level and then you're always going for help for your manager. And, uh, and if we allow that, it discontinues. And, you know, I think a, an industry that has an example of kind of the right way to do it is you think about car sales. Mm -hmm. The sales manager is always this like ominous person that's in, uh, you know, another room that you yeah. never as the customer never talk to. But yeah. whenever the salesperson gets stuck, they're like, let me go talk to the manager. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they go into this room and then they come back with some plan. And, you know, it's, it's awkward in sales, but or yeah. in car sales. But if you think about it, like what you're saying is that is almost the right concept in that, you know, you are more asking the questions, enabling them so that they can then still go manage it. And, and, and I think it's clear. I, it's uh, I'm, I'm kind of kind of with you and kind of not. So I'm trying to get on that same page as you. But so how I would support that is that car sales is very clear about what the salesperson's decision making should be and what the manager's decision making should be. Okay. So there, so as long as you clarify that and they're clear. And so the salesperson, we want to make sure you've qualified, you know, they're, they're probably really tight about this. It's like, when you come into my room, tell me all the things that you've found out. So I could do my job of my decision or my coaching of you, whichever way it is, you know, it's probably different in those scenarios, but there's a clear line of that. So I think that's another piece there is, again, is setting the clear expectations of what everyone is expected to do. Uh, make decisions on. So I'm, I'm going to stay on this theme of decisions because um, can I share a little bit about how that came to be? Yes, definitely. Sure. So there was an article that someone sent me called uh, McGregor. And um, it was about this manager. So this uh, young man was going in to interview this manager McGregor as company. And uh, he goes into his office and he's just sitting on, you know, sitting back in his chair and he had all this time on his hands. And, um, and so he started asking him, so, you know, you don't look like you're that busy. He goes like, I'm not, you know, 
know, I just have a, a weekly meeting. I meet with my managers and they inform my team and they inform me of the decisions they've made and the goals they've hit and all, you know. And so I just because uh, he set everything up. So basically, he kind of showed me, you know what? You, you can be the most effective manager and leader by putting your feet up. That's why I said doing less, right? The problem is corporations don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't let them see you. Put you know, your right, yeah. You, can, you know, do, create a video that you're working somewhere else, okay, doing something. <laughs> but what they do like and stockholders, shareholders like is results. So if you can, we're in a results-oriented function. And so... You know, if you can get other people producing the results, which they should be because they get paid for that, then work towards that. In my business as a fractional sales manager for small businesses, the only way that I saw that I could be more profitable as a business being a manager was to be more efficient in how I led teams to be effective. So I've been on this pursuit of how do I, um, you know, manage more effectively in uh, to spend less time with my people and see better results. That's what I do. And so that's what I'm trying to share with others. And that's where this whole decision, the, the, so this manager McGregor said, I won't make decisions for, I won't make the decisions I hired other people to make. So the biggest piece to learn here, the takeaway is like, make sure you're clear about which decisions you're, you're hiring someone to make. And we don't usually think about it or describe it that way. We think about responsibilities, tasks, duties. But if you also think about what decisions they should make, sh should they decide on which territory or is that decision we make? Should they decide on how the conversation goes? Should they decide you know, on the qualifying criteria or do we decide on that? You know, those are all little things that we kind of just take for granted and it stays a little gray. And if you get tough on that then it's really clear and then the, uh the, and as we know when we set clear expectations with any employee they can be that much more effective and it's easier to know if they're doing the job well i love that focus on what decisions need to be made because the responsibilities then come really naturally like yeah. if i you know think about it as a leader one of the things that's always been hardest for me that i hate is like writing a job description of what should someone do. But if I think about what decisions do I want them to own, yeah. the, then what do they need to do becomes really obvious. Because yeah. if I say they need to decide how they're going to approach a call, well, then the expectations and responsibilities are clear. You got to know how to manage that on your own. I'm not giving you a framework, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I, I really like that. It, it's an interesting way to think about, I mean, no matter what department you're managing in thinking about how you enable your people. And I've seen a, I've seen a byproduct that I didn't expect also, because when I, when I started working on that discipline for myself as a leader, and again, there's the focus, right? How do I focus in on me being a better leader and manager, not just help, not just being a sales coach, you know what I mean? Um, okay, what, let me get what I was thinking there. What I was thinking <laughs> is that the sale, as you know, the sales process from the marketing to the closing is all about the buyer making decisions. So yes. if you're really focused in on decisions, then it also 
um, improves our vision of where the buyer is in the decision-making process. And you could have that conversation because sometimes we're trying to have them, you know, what, what you, the term is closing too early, right? Probably because there's about 10 or 20 other decisions they need to make before they even consider that one. And so by staying focused on what's their next decision, what's their next decision, how I'm make, I mean, a decision is easy. Your business with the email, <laughs> should I open it? There's a decision, right? <laughs> and then how much time should I invest in reading it? And then, you know, should I click or should I reply? <laughs> <laughs> Those are decisions that someone makes through the process. And I am, you know, I have to imagine through your work, you're, you're trying to manage those decisions to make it as easy as possible for people to move forward with our intention uh, in our messaging. No, awesome. So I know you said that was your first misconception. Uh, I'll let you give me what your others are. Okay. What are my other? I don't, you know, I just start rambling here. <laughs> <laughs> if I told you earlier, tell me. Uh, so some of the, what are some of the other misconceptions? Um, I don't know. You know, I think that's the biggest one, but I think that uh, if I was to think about it is that, what is it they say people would say about this? I'm feeling, I'm feeling uh, ineffective right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so passionate on the other one. Um, well, no, I was going to say, I've got a different question if there's not go another for misconception. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Um, the concept of doing less so mm -hmm. that your team can do more. Yeah. Um, this is a really interesting one to me because as I've talked to leaders about their career progressions, you know, it, it there is a perception, whether accurate or not, that the further up you move, the more you're doing. So, right. you know, most people, if they think about their first job in their career, you know, you kind of had some really basic things that you did, but it usually is, you know, fairly low stress all the way up to, you know, you get to the C-suite and you start asking like lunch, what's that? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. and so this concept of as a leader that you should be doing less is very counterintuitive. So I'd like to hear you dig into that a little more because sure. it is one of those things that just kind of sounds too good to be true. Yeah. And I think it's probably more of less of what you've been doing and start doing more of what you could be doing. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and especially in the corporate world, I mean, yeah, cause you do have to be keep doing work and so push, you know, find ways to increase responsibility of your team. Okay. So your team, um, you know, they have the responsibility of whatever you've defined as far as their sales roles, but their numbers are the ultimate, but then you have people that are like, uh, you know, strong leaders in there, give them some of your responsibility, let them have, it. you don't have to give a raise every time or a bonus every time. And maybe sometimes you will, maybe you'll find a way because it keeps people engaged with their job when any employee feels like they're being asked to do be a bigger part of the whole solution, feels good. Feels good, you know? Yeah, and that that is, you know, one of the things as I moved up in my career, that was a hard lesson for me because I am naturally a type A personality and want to, you know, have my arms around and, and keep control of things. And what I had to learn were that there were certain things 
that were my responsibility that I dreaded doing. But someone who is earlier in their career gets excited yeah. about doing those things <laughs> because it's an opportunity to learn and grow. And so where I didn't want to ever be in a situation where I felt like I was just like passing off my responsibility, learning to delegate in that way, I started to recognize how much more my team grows. Yes. And then I also don't have the frustration of the stuff that I hate doing. And it, it, so I do see what you mean in the do the, do less. It is the less of what you used, used to, to do. do and be looking at what you can, hoping your boss is going to give you some, or you ask, hey, I like to do that. I like to work on that committee. I want to work on this, but it's not taking you away. Usually it's because people are asking us to do more and be in more meetings but we haven't let go of anything that we could, you know, we haven't done less of that. And so then it just feels overwhelmed and we're working 70 hours a week or whatever it might be. Uh, I love having salespeople lead sale, taking, rotating, leading the sales meeting. It also just shows me how they're facilitating and a little bit how they might be managing when they have you know, more complex sale and they have more people in the room. How do they facilitate that? Are they just being the showman? Are they are they facilitating a buying decision? You know. Um, and I know, so I know a lot of your clients are small businesses. Yeah. And so as I'm thinking about some of what we're talking about, you know, I see it as a little easier, in my opinion, when you're in a larger company with more people, more of a team to manage that. Um, when you're a smaller company, whether it's, you know, super small or, or startup where you're still in that, you know, kind of scrappy space, how does this differ in terms of the advice? If you're leading or if you're the owner or a manager, it's the same. If the company has a, has a vision to grow at whatever pace or, you know, to a size, then you need to develop people. The reason, you know, money or leadership is what's going to keep you from from growing. And so uh, so you can use these things that way, you know, as a as an owner, it's your baby. So you hold on to it. Those owners that are quicker to understand, I need better people around me. You know, you, you need to pay more or develop them, provide tools. So they can be developed because the owner can't always develop people. So you need to bring in other resources like you and other consultants or coaches to help bring that teaching in. So that's how you can use it there. Or you hire a fractional sales manager like us because then we <laughs> we do it. <laughs> we do develop uh, the people and uh, we you know, we are focused on that results and development. So we 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 help. Um, teams grow, uh, sales teams grow sales and grow the people. We are really focused on those two things. And so okay, they don't, they, the they end, don't need I'll, us, they'll be better. Yeah. As I say, at the end, I'll make sure we squeeze in a shameless plug so that there if go. there's anyone listening uh, that is in need of that, I'll make sure that they get your information. Yeah, sure. Um, so the thing that I, I wanted to put a pin in earlier, um, so, uh, you know, we wrote the book CMO to CRO, uh, the revenue takeover by the next generation executive. And the big concept that we're leading to in the book that, uh, you know, for those that haven't read it is that there should be a single leader over all of revenue. And so that includes sales, marketing, success, um, you know, different organizations, sometimes that's product, 
Uh, and our belief is that the head of marketing, so CMOs today, are best positioned to lead revenue. And what you talked about at the beginning really aligns to that. So I wanted to bring this up and kind of put you on the spot a little bit and sure. get your thought. Because I think the biggest pushback we've gotten on the book is like, yeah, that sounds great. But most, you know, marketing leaders, most CMOs, VPs of marketing have never led sales. And therefore, you know, they could take over the other parts of revenue, but they couldn't do that. And what you talked about is that the leader's job is not to sell, it's to empower, direct, and inspire. And so to me, that further supports the point that we make in that a head of marketing can take over all of revenue and be able to lead and have you know those great salespeople. Um, and so I wanted to get your thoughts. Like, do you see this as a feasible idea or are you on team, you know, Tegrin is crazy and this is not the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that you're not crazy. Um, and a marketing leader or a sales leader can be, in my opinion, can be in charge of sales and marketing. I am on the same page with you that if you can have one leader over both, you're we're gonna get we're gonna get to that place that most companies want to get to, is that we're we're collaborating. We are actually creating synergy instead of argument. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we don't need to get into that. So we know it, it exists out there uh, in every day. So working together. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't care which way, which place a person comes from. I don't need someone that has sold to lead me. I need someone who understands what I need as a salesperson and can give me the tools and remove the roadblocks from me getting my job done. So someone can listen and understand, oh, I see you need, okay, great. What is it if it's electronic tools, if it's uh, better communication in the organization, if it's training, if it's you need it, if we do need to get a sales coach in here, fine, let's do that. Um, but that leader can, they just need to listen and not assume. Um, awesome. And, you know, you talked about the marketing and sales alignment, uh, you know, and, and breaking down some of those silos. So for anyone listening who hasn't listened to episode 31, um, after finishing my conversation with Renee, I encourage you to back up uh, and go back. And, and I had someone from marketing, someone from sales, and we kind of debated out, you know, we fought it out in terms of how do we get that proper alignment. So yeah. Um, uh, or that was 38. So 38 <laughs> and 31, those are the two that you should go back to uh, as your next Revenue Rehab episodes to listen to. Renee, I got to bump in real quick here and say that, you know, there's no mystery to getting things done. It's we sometimes we think we need to create new ideas and new concepts to do what's just normal. It's like talk, communicate. What, what, are, you try, what are we trying to achieve? Let's agree on that. All right. Who's got what roles? Okay, what are you gonna do? If there's any problems, let's talk. If we have conflict, let's conflict, but let's commit, keep a commitment. It's just, it's just relate communication and understand direction. It's like it's too simple, really. Sometimes we come Yes, yeah. There are so many reasons it gets complicated, but we won't go there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 
So talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the therapist will give the client some homework, but here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. So sure. I'd love for you to give all of our listeners their one thing. So what is the one action item that they can take if they are managing sales to be better sales leaders? If you want to improve, take the concept we talked about today and turn your awareness on yourself right now and start, if you took one week and kept a notepad and said decisions on it and just started listening to yourself, which decisions are you making for, you know, others and, you know, uh, in, in you didn't correct yourself. So basically be aware of it. Okay. So I'm going to give you two. You can either do it that way, keep the log or go ahead. And cause I think that'll help you better to do step number two, which would be review and see if you really have defined which decisions your team should be making and that you should stop making and which decisions you should be making that maybe you're allowing your boss to make. I, I love that. Um, you know, I, I've done that with food before, like to figure out which foods weren't working for my body, keep the food log. Um, so doing the same thing with decisions and what decisions are you making, you know, day in and day out for a week straight and then doing that self-evaluation to say, were these mine to make? Like, it, yes. you know, are there muddy lines? Um, and even potentially having your team do the same thing. Yeah, I think um, you do it first, first for yourself so you're aware of what you're going to be asking. Because if it's a new concept and it was a new concept and it is different, you know, again, like you talk about job descriptions, we... There isn't a decision category on there. It's, you know, responsibilities, objectives, duties, tasks. Um, but the decisions are in there. Um, it's just another way to look at it and grind, you know, just to make it more complicated. Awesome. <laughs> well, Renee, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's Great. our time for today. But before okay. we go, um, I'd love to hear how can our audience connect with you um, and would love to hear just your shameless plug right here for anyone that <laughs> may be looking for a fractional sales manager. Well, as you mentioned at the beginning, I love to share. And um, if uh, if I have something that's I've learned in uh, in my life, I want to be able to pass it on. I can only live so many days. And if something gets left behind, that's more valuable. And so if any there's uh, any leaders or managers out there that just wanted to get a little bit of my time and just have me poke around in your world, um, you can just call, go to sales manager now. And that's my website. And you'll find all my contact information there. And you have you'll have some of my time. Just mention Brandy and you heard us here and revenue rehab. And uh, I'll give you some of my time as far as uh, my client types, small businesses that don't have a sales manager, have a few sales people. And I usually say, if you're thinking we need a sales manager now, okay, just type it in sales manager now, and then you'll find us. Okay. Um, and we'll happily discuss and see if we can help you out and we'll provide a sales manager for you at a fraction of the cost that you would hire a full-time manager. I like to say we're the easiest to hire and the easiest to hire because we'll still like, <laughs> we'll still like you. <laughs> 
awesome. And I mean, honestly, that's a natural progression. Like at some point you have a fractional manager and when you do your job well, you almost fire yourself because then they're ready for a full-time manager. There you go. Um, awesome. Well, Renee, thank you so much for joining me today. Sure. Um, and thank everyone for joining us. I hope you have enjoyed my conversation with Renee. I can't believe we're already at the end. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.